pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. compromise here and come somewhere in the middle. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about walking in the will of God and some of the things that it is to walk in His will and some of the things that it isn't to walk in His will. Might not be what you think it is sometimes, but uh, before we get started, I, I, I wrote down a few scriptures here to help lay a base or groundwork. In Mark 9, 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things are possible to him that what? Believe. Believeth. What if you can't believe? Might not be possible for you, right? But you know, God wants everything good for us. He sent, he sent his son to guarantee that for us. And we know the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and what more? Abundantly. The Zoe kind of life. That's the kind of life God wants for us. And he made that possible. Everything that we need, God made possible for us. First to the believer, but even if you can't believe, even if you just can't get up enough faith to believe something that seems so far-fetched in the natural that you can't get up enough faith to believe in it, God made another provision for us. In Mark 10, 27, next chapter over, it says, And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible. So some things are impossible for us. Why? Because they're not available? No, because we can't believe for them. And he says, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. So if you can't believe for yourself, believe God. He'll make it possible. He makes the impossible possible. But either way, nothing's impossible for us. First, if we can believe. Second, if we can believe God. How many can believe God? Nothing's impossible for God. He can do all things. Amen? And then in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, it says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Is that God making things possible for us? Yes. Amen. Amen. We have to believe yes. that all things are possible. Yes. And then we have to do what? We have to ask. Yes. He knows what things we have need of before we ask. Yes. But we have to ask. Yes. Asking opens the doors. Amen. Seeking causes us to find the thing we're seeking for. One thing about this is it works both ways for good and bad. Yes. You better be careful what you're looking for. Uh-huh. You might find it. And then finally, in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and this is what it boils down to, this is the confidence that we have in him. When we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we shall have the petitions that we desire of him. Believe, ask, knock, seek, and find. And then here's the key. It has to be according to his will. Well, how do I know if it's his will or not? Oh, everything will be going smooth. I'll just be rolling through life, getting blessed on the left and blessed on the right. Not necessarily. That does not mean that you are in or out of the will of God. 
your circumstances change. And when they change for the worse, doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Turn with me to the book of Acts. I think I laid my foundation. Believe either for yourself or believe God. Ask and make sure it's according to his will. And it's not that hard to know God's will. Amen. A lot of people think it's hard to know God's will, but it's not. We can know God's will. So in our opening scripture this morning, we're going to find the Apostle Paul returning to Jerusalem from one of his missionary journeys. And he goes to, through Caesarea, and he stops there, and he's fellowshipping with other believers, other disciples. And while he was there, a prophet by the name of Agabus comes to the meeting. He came down from Judea, and he prophesied to Paul. And this is where we're going to pick it up in Acts 2, uh, 21, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read this one out of the Amplified. It says, And coming to see us, he, the prophet Agabus, took Paul's belt, and with it bound his own feet and hands, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, the Jews at Jerusalem shall bind like this the man who owns this belt. Of course, it was Paul's belt. And they shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles, or the heathen. And the they is the Jews. And when he heard this, both we and the residents, when we heard this, both we and the residents of that place pleaded with him, Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. And Paul said, oh, my God, I better not go. I'm going to get a whipping. I'm going to get beat. I'm going to get thrown in jail. I ain't going. No, he didn't say that at all. Even though Paul knew he would be bound, beaten, and imprisoned, he went to Jerusalem anyway. Why? Because, Matthew. I got a green light, man. Does that mean anything? Alright. Alright, why did he go to Jerusalem anyway? Because he was being led by the Spirit. Yeah, but they said that he the prophet Agabus said he's gonna be beaten and bound and imprisoned. He went anyway. And when you're being led by the Spirit and you obey. People get led by the Spirit, but they don't obey. And when, But when you are, you're walking out God's will for your life. And you will encounter some opposition and some hardships. Amen? Yes. It doesn't mean that you miss God or you're not in God's will anymore. Uh, as a matter of fact, to the contrary, the more opposition and hardships you come up against, the more likely you're walking in the will of God. Amen? Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested, tempted, tried of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He knew it was going to be rough because he had been fasting already. He's going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, he knew it. he was going to be cold, tongue, hungry, tired, wet, the whole nine yards. And he went anyway. Mark said that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So if that's uh, true, which it is, he was led or driven into the, the wilderness by the Spirit of God, then that must have been God's will for him. Amen. 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 Same with the Apostle Paul. We need to understand there's a lot of places that he went where he encountered hardships. And a lot of the times he was warned of them in advance. Yes. He knew, but he went anyway. Why? Yes. Being led. Uh, Paul actually knew without anybody having to prophesy to him that there was going to be hardships waiting for him, especially in Jerusalem, because that was the epicenter of persecution. Yes. Matter of fact, Paul, Saul came from uh, Jerusalem, and he was sent out to persecute Christians and put them in jail and even kill some. And so it was like the center of persecution for the Jews. Uh, but just because we know ahead of time that we're going to have a hard time that should never influence us not to do something. Whether it's in your Christian walk 
or whether it is something in life itself, maybe something on the job, maybe a promotion, maybe changing jobs, maybe moving geographically, whatever it is, just because it's going to be hard, that shouldn't deter us, that shouldn't cause us to not do something. Right. Amen? Amen? I mean, uh, anything worth having is worth working for. Anything worth having is worth suffering a few inconveniences to get there. And people don't want to leave their comfort zones. They want to stay in their comfort zone. And they don't want to turn their little life upside down for any amount of time. And therefore, they just stay where they're at. Amen. Amen. And they miss out. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some Bible scholars and commentators that I read after uh, believe that Paul missed it. Got out of the will of God, and that's why he had such a hard time. I don't believe that. I never did. Nope. I believe Paul was in the will of God. And as far as I know from uh, studying uh, the Bible and the book of Acts and Paul's ministry, I don't think he was ever out of the will of God. And he went through a lot. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A lot of Christians think because they're going through something hard that they missed it, got out of the will of God. But just because we run up on difficult situations doesn't mean that we're out of the will of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, and, and, and you don't judge whether or not you're in the will of God by your circumstances. At times, we do make wrong turns. And, and I'll be the first to tell you, sometimes you'll get in trouble because you're in your will. You're following the flesh instead of the spirit. And your flesh will get you in trouble, and God's got nothing yeah, to do with that. Right. He'll still deliver you when you come to your senses. He'll still help you out. He'll still come between you and the devil. He'll still be the fourth man in the fire, and he'll still hold back the waters for you. But sometimes we get ourselves in trouble by doing our will instead of his will. Amen. But just because we run up on difficulty or hardships doesn't mean that we're out of the will of God. We don't change directions because of it. And, uh, you know, at times we do make wrong turns. You ever make a wrong turn? I know I have. And when you do and you realize it, then you need to make the correction. Yes. And get back on the path. Get back into the will of God for your life. When you're in the will of God, every need you have will be met. Because yes. he's Jehovah Jireh, the God that sees the need in advance yes. and what provides it yes. before you need it. Yes. So that means somewhere along the path, somewhere along walking in his will, you're going to come up on something where you'll have a need, but right around the next corner, the need is met. Yes. But if you're out of the will of God, you'll never come to that need being met. That's why it's important to be in his will and stay in his will. Amen. Amen. When you're in the will of God, you'll go through some hard places. You'll have some giants to slay, some walled cities to conquer, some swollen rivers to cross. There'll be some difficulties. There'll be some hardships. But we don't stop and we don't turn around and we don't change directions because of them. Amen. Amen. I mean, you're going to suffer persecution. There's going to be some dark valleys. And Paul, told, Paul was told in the very beginning of his ministry, right after he was born again, that he was going to suffer some hardships for Christ's name's sake. You remember he's on his way to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. You can turn there if you want. And he was on his way to persecute, execute, imprison Christians, everyone he could get his hands on. But on the way, he gets knocked off his horse. Amen. And had an encounter with Jesus. Acts 9, 3 through 6 says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round about him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul wasn't persecuting directly Jesus Christ, but when he persecutes one of his brothers or sisters, one of God's children, God takes it personally. Yes. Amen. It's as though you're, pers you're persecuting him personally. 
That's called identity. He identifies with us. Amen? In verse 5, he said, Who are you, Lord? He didn't know exactly who it was, but he knew he was Lord. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, a goad was a cattle prod. Back then, it was just a piece of steel or maybe a stick with a sharpened end. And when the cattle got out of line or started getting off the path, the farmer would poke him in the hind leg or hind portion of his body. And the cow, not being real smart, or the cattle would kick against the gold and get poked again. So he said, it's hard for you to kick against the gold. Nowadays, they have an electronic one. It not only sticks the cow, but it gives them a shot. And the cow just kicks against it. And he's saying here, don't kick against it. Go along with it. Change directions. Make the adjustment. So he, Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's a good question for all of us to ask. Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So the Lord has given him direction now. He accepted Jesus as Lord. He's born again. And now the Lord is trying to get him into his will. And so he got himself up off the ground, taken into the city. And just to show you the Lord has a sense of humor, the Lord sent him on a street called Straight. He sent him to a house on a street called Straight. Probably said Straight Avenue or Straight Street or whatever. Every once in a while, the Lord will knock you off of your high horse and set you straight too. Yeah. He's done that to me before. Yeah. Amen. And the Lord sent a reluctant prophet to him by the name of Ananias. And he told him what to say. And Ananias at first questioned the Lord. And he said, Lord, this is the same man, Saul. This is the same man that's persecuting Christians all over the country. Putting them in jail, beating them, and even killing some. And the Lord assured him that it would be okay, Ananias. Paul works for me now. And then in Acts 19, or 9, 15 and 16, the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. He was sent to, to them all. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul, you're going to suffer some things for me. When you start bearing my name, you're going to suffer some things for me. And you know, it's, it's one thing to know the name of Jesus. It's another thing to bear the name of Jesus. Amen. Sometimes if you're bearing the name of Jesus, you don't even have to pray and say in the name of Jesus. Things will just happen because the devil knows you're bearing the name. So even though Paul knew he suffered many things in many places, it never stopped him. It never caused him to hesitate. He never questioned whether or not he was in or out of the will of God. So if you want to be successful in your Christian walk or anything else, for that matter, anything in life, uh, then sometimes you have to leave your comfort zone knowing ahead of time that you're going to come up on some uncomfortable times, some difficult times, some hardships. Amen. Amen. And most people run into just a little opposition. And it'll keep them out of church. It'll keep them from praying, keep them from doing the word. I'm too mad to pray. No, you need to pray. I'm too upset to read the word right now. I wouldn't understand a word. You need to read it anyway. Yes, you do. You need to overcome some things. Yes. Amen. Amen. And the first thing you need to overcome is your bad self. Yes. Get your butt up and go to church. Yes. That's number one. Get get out and go to church. Yes. Amen. Staying at home ain't helping you none. That's right. Right now you enjoy the luxury of Facebook Live or Spotify or YouTube or one of the other sites that we use, but that's not going to be like that all the time. 
God wants you in church. Amen. Amen. So stop whining and complaining. Good news is you probably didn't miss God because you're going through something unusual or a circumstance that's kind of hard. As a matter of fact, you're probably right on because when you're going through something, it usually is, not always, but usually is an indication you're going in the right direction. Yeah. In the book of Acts, Peter and John, along with some other apostles, were preaching the word. Signs and wonders were following them. Miracles was following them. Devils were being cast out. The sick were being healed. And just one miracle right after another, plus they're getting thousands of people saved through their ministry, and in Acts chapter 5, they're threatened by the religious leaders, thrown in jail, and told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Told them not to preach. Later that night, God sent an angel, and there was a big jailbreak. Nothing, you know, really spectacular. Just the doors opened up, and everybody walked out. I don't know what the guards were doing. Maybe they were slain in the spirit, put to sleep, but they just walked out of jail. And the angel told the apostles, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. In other words, go preach the gospel, continue preaching the gospel. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple, and the Bible says early in the morning. They couldn't wait to get there. Knowing what was waiting for them, knowing there was going to be more persecution, more hardships, more hard times, and they went early in the morning and they talked, just like the angel told them to do. Well, the religious leaders, they don't learn too fast. They grabbed them again. This time they beat them up and commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And just like before, they let them go. Two mistakes. And here's the part I love. The Bible says, and they departed from the presence of the council, those that were beating them up and persecuting them, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple, in spite of everything, and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You know, that's when the word gets spread and the gospel is preached the most is during times of persecution. I mean, uh, when, when after Jesus was crucified, Jerusalem, the epicenter of all the hypocrites and the religious leaders and the persecution, uh, they were dwelling there. They built a big church and they were going to church in Jerusalem and they were happy to do it. But nobody was going out into all the world, according to Jesus' commandment, and preaching the gospel to every creature. So what happened? He brought great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and that scattered the people. They were running from it, but it caused them to leave Jerusalem and spread the gospel in the other regions of the world. James said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, trials, tests. He says, count it all joy Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, endurance, perseverance. But let patience, endurance, perseverance have its perfect way. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Lacking nothing. All your needs met. Amen? And then he says, if any of you lack wisdom, wisdom to get out of the mess that you're in, the trial that you're in, he says, let him ask of God who give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He's, in other words, I won't withhold it from That's you. Right. But what? You have to ask. Yes. And so he says, if you ask, I'll give you the wisdom you need to get through this hardship, to get through this test, to get through this trial. And then he says, but let him ask in faith or believing that you're going to get the wisdom you asked for. He said, nothing wavering. You can't be up and down. You can't be side to side. You can't be in and out. Nothing wavering. He said, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Paul talked about being tossed and to and fro with every wind of doctrine that's coming down the pipe. Yes. 
He don't want you waving. He don't want you tossed to and fro. He wants you steady. Yes. Amen? Amen. Stable. And he said, if you do waver, don't even think that you're going to receive anything of the Lord. Not just wisdom, but nothing. You're not going to get anything from me. Why? You're wavering. You're not believing. You believe in one thing and then believe in another. You believe you're healed, then you believe you're sick. You believe you're prospering, then you believe you're broke. Amen? That's wavering. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I told Ethan one time, a double-minded man is somebody wears suspenders and a belt. <laughs> but they counted it joy, and they left what? Rejoicing. Yeah. How do I know you enjoy? You're rejoicing. Yes, you are. Uh, not whining, not crying, not complaining, but because they were beaten and thrown in jail. I just got beat, thrown in jail. Praise the Lord. Rejoice, rejoice. Hallelujah. Come on, that's what you would have done, right? You're preaching Jesus on the street corner and a bunch of thugs kick your butt and throw you to the curb. And you jump up rejoicing, saying, praise the Lord. I got beaten and thrown to the curb for Jesus. Hallelujah. Right. <laughs> but why were they rejoicing? Because things were going so well for them, the miracles, the signs and wonders, the healings and everything, people getting saved, that it was going so well for them that they thought something was wrong. Uh, God was moving so mightily, and everyone was being so blessed that the apostles thought, man, finally, we got the devil mad enough to beat us and throw us in jail. Praise the Lord. What were they, they were rejoicing. They were counting the joy. And they said, for a minute there, we thought we missed it. But after we got beaten and thrown in jail and misused and abused, we realized, hallelujah, we were counted worthy by God to suffer for his name's sake. Isn't that something? I mean, you think you'd get rewarded for something you did. But to suffer for his name's sake was a bigger reward than if they would have got something special. Amen. And they realized that. They said, we feel better now knowing we've been counted worthy to take a beating and be thrown in jail for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. See, they were counting it all joy. And Paul knew he was going to suffer for Christ. He knew it. Uh, he knew he was going to stand before kings and testify for the Lord Jesus. But he did it as a Roman prisoner. I'd have never thought that. If God commissioned me and said, I stand before kings and world leaders and preach the gospel and testify him, I would have a different picture of that. I mean, I would see myself dressed in royal clothing. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Mike used to always say, if we're going to send our pastor to a conference, let's buy him a new suit and tie. Why? Because he's representing us. Amen. And so I, I, that's always stuck with me. God's going to send me to Rome. He's going to have me preach before kings. I got to look good. I need a new suit, new tie, shiny shoes, the whole nine, haircut, whole nine yards. I'm representing Christ. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Not only that, but I'm riding in on a gold chariot with four white chargers pulling it. Fanfare and trumpeters. Da, 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 da. Here comes Pastor Mike to see the king. Right. That ain't how Paul wrote into Rome, is it? No. <laughs> he went to Rome by way of an island called Melita. He went by way of a shipwreck, floated on a board to an island full of man-eating cannibals, got bit by a poisonous snake, and then went to Rome in rags and chains. Rags and chains. That wouldn't be the fanfare I'd be looking for. Mm -mm. Here I am standing before kings in rags, dirty, hungry, cold, wet, tired, and in chains. That's not a very good representative. That's not a very good ambassador of Christ. But Paul understood. He knew he was going to suffer. Paul went to Rome, but not the way that I thought he would have went or should have went. According to 1 Corinthians 11, Paul worked harder than all the disciples. 
He was put in prison more than any other disciple or apostle. He was whipped five different times with 39 lashes and three times beaten with rods. Jesus himself only got beaten once with rods and whipped more than 39 lashes, but whipped only one time. And I'm not minimizing that. That's where it counted the most, was on Jesus' back. But Paul was stoned, shipwrecked three times. He spent a whole day and a night bobbing up and down in the ocean like shark bait. Traveled many long journeys, faced dangers from rivers and robbers, danger from the Jews and Gentiles. This is all in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You can read it for yourself. Faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. Worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. He was hungry and thirsty, having gone without food, shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep him warm. And beside all that, he had the daily burden of all the churches that he started. Paul had it rough. But do you think he was worried about what was going to happen when he went to Jerusalem? That was the least of his worry. Look at what he had to say about it. Acts 20, verses 22 through 24. And now you see I'm going to Jerusalem bound. Actually, it meant to be. He's going led by the Holy Spirit, bound by the Spirit. And obligated and compelled by the convictions of my own spirit not knowing what will befall me there, except that the Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically affirms to me in city after city that imprisonment and suffering await me. Here's the best part of this passage, verse 24. But none of these things move me. Yes. None of these things move me. Yes. Hell itself can rise against me, but it will not move me. Can you say that? But none of these things move me. I know you can say it, but is it true? I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. That's the only reason I count my life dear to myself, so I can finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That was the ministry he received when he got knocked off his horse and sat on the street called straight. And now we all have the same ministry as Paul does, a ministry of reconciliation. It's our job to go out into the highways and the byways and preach the gospel yeah. of Jesus Christ, tell them God's not mad at him anymore, that he loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world to die for our sins in our place as our substitute, and you should start with your family. I made a couple memes on Facebook. I said, there is nothing more important right now than the salvation of your soul and your family. And, and then I said that, you know, people are, I see it on Facebook all the time, bragging on their children, giving them everything they want, everything that's within any possibility. They're showering their kids with these things. And I said that, but you're not giving them the one thing they need, and that's Jesus Christ. If you want to go to hell, go on. It's your choice. God will honor that. He won't force you to go to heaven. He won't hold you back from going to hell. He made a provision for us so nobody ever has to go to hell. Right. But, the, you know, that's one thing. The worst thing you can do is raise your children without hell or without Jesus, and they go to hell. They, they're innocent. They don't know any better. But if you don't give them Jesus, their chances of finding him themselves is slim to none. Yes. Give them Jesus. Then give them whatever else you want. But that first, that's the most important. But I love this statement. But none of these things move me, Paul said. You can do whatever you want to me. You can throw whatever you want at me, but I'm not going to move. And, and I got to tell you, you can overcome a lot of hardships, get the victory in a lot of areas of your life if you just memorize that one statement. None of these things move me. But here's the thing. You got to have that settled in your heart ahead of time or you will get moved. You got to know right now, no matter what happens, it's not going to catch me by surprise and it's not going to move me. It's not going to move me off my foundation. It's not going to move me off my faith. 
It's not going to stop me or hinder me from believing what I believe. Amen. None of these things are going to move me. So it doesn't mean you'll never have challenges. You will. doesn't mean you won't have problems. or It doesn't mean things are always going to go your way and life is going to be like rowing, rowing merrily down the stream. It doesn't mean that you'll never be persecuted. It doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer and go through some things uh, for Christ. But none of these things need to move you. No matter what it is, it's not going to move me. But you will know you're a man or woman of faith when you can stand up like the Apostle Paul and say that. And say it from your heart. Say none of these things will move me. God never said you wouldn't go through some things. You may not admit it, but I learned a long time ago that there's some things in life that we can't control. Amen. I don't care how strong you are, how big you are, how much money you got. I, there's going to be things in your life that you can't control. Amen. Amen. There's going to be things in your life that are impossible for you to achieve impossible for you to believe God for. Mm -hmm. But we got something to fall back on. With God, all things are possible. He'll make it possible. Yeah. But this is, you know, I mean, uh, although we can't control everything that goes on around us, can't always control our circumstances, at least to the best of my knowledge and what I know about the Bible, we can always control what goes on in here. This is you. Amen? Amen. You can control what goes on here. Your faith might not work for your husband or wife or your children all the time, although it can, yes. but it will always work for you. Yes. I can't believe everything for you. I can pray for you. I can declare things over your life just like Pastor and I do every morning, every day. We pray over you guys. We pray protection. We pray prosperity. We pray blessings in your life. But we can't make them happen with our faith. We trust in God. We're praying according to his will. We know he hears us. Amen. Hallelujah. But we can't allow fear in our life. I mean, you can't talk about faith without talking about the opposing forces of faith, and that's fear. And you've heard this before. Faith motivates God or moves God like fear motivates and moves the devil. Amen. I don't want the devil moving in my life. So I'm not going to allow fear in my life. I want God moving in my life. So I'm going to work on my faith always. If we allow ourselves to get into fear, then you can never say that none of these things move me because fear will move you. It will move you off the platform. It will move you off the foundation of the word. It will move you out of the will of God in the New York men. Fears may come, trials, tribulations, opposition may come, negative thoughts may invade your mind, doubts may invade your mind, uh, but you don't have to let them in can't stop a thought from coming, but you don't have to let it in, and you don't have to let it dwell there. Yes. Things can come against you, but you don't have to receive them. And that's the whole thrust of this thing is, you know, believing, asking according to the will, and then you what? Receive. You receive what you've been believing for, asking for, knocking for, and, and uh, according to the will of God, I mean, God's not going to let you have crazy things that ain't in his will. And what's his will? It's his word. Find it in the word and you can have it. Believe and ask. You can have it. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He won't fear it. And I'm telling you, I could picture David walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Had to be a scary place. He's in the valley. It's dark. He's in the shadow of death. Death is all around him. And yet he says, I will not fear. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Yes. Hallelujah. Staff, the, the rod will defend you. The staff will guide you and keep you on the path. Amen. 
You just keep walking. You can't stop in the valley of the shadow of death or you'll be overcome. You keep walking. Yes. Till when? Till you're out of the valley. Amen. You know, fear is there. You can feel it. You can see it. It's all around you. But you're not receiving it. Why? Because you say, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. No matter what I see in the valley, no matter what I feel in the valley, it's not going to move me. Don't keep on walking. Then Paul said, neither do I esteem my life dearer to myself, if only I may finish my course or my race, how? With joy. Yes. With strength, because the joy of the Lord is my strength, according to Nehemiah. And the ministry which I have obtained from, which was entrusted to me by the Lord Jesus, faithfully to attest to the good news gospel of God's grace, his unmerited favor, spiritual blessing, and mercy. Paul had a course and a ministry. He recognized, he received it on the road to Damascus, and, and it was entrusted to him by the Lord, and that was to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's our course, that's our ministry. Preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Again, start with your family. Yes. Get them in. Yes. I, I feel a sense of urgency. We've yes. got to get them in. Yes. Don't judge them. They may be saved, and you don't see it on the outside, but they could be saved. Yes. Just plant a seed. Just love them. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's your course. And running your course is simply following the plan of God for your life. I don't know what that is. You have to find that out for yourself. Jesus found his plan, his course, in the word of God, particularly in the book of Isaiah. He recognized it. He says, hey, that guy that Isaiah is talking about, that's me. I know God's will for my life now. And when it comes down to it, to the cross, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. He wanted to do God's will. You have to find out what God's will is for your life and then start following it. Nothing else is more important than that. I know parents always tell their children, and, and it's commendable, and I understand why, but you can be anything you want. You can be a brain surgeon. You can be the president of the United States. You could be an astronaut, and it's one of the biggest deceptions and lies we can tell our children. Well, what do you want me to tell them? Something discouraging? Say, no. Tell them to find out what the will of God for their life is, and you can be that. Children are always trying to find themselves, especially as teenagers, and they usually never do. They never really find themselves because they try different things that they're not anointed for, and, and uh, they fail just one right after another until they're convinced that they are a failure. But it's our job as parents to lead them and guide them into the will of God. What does God want you to do, son? What does God want you to do, young lady? You can do that, and you will be successful at it because you'll be anointed and you'll be graced to do it. You won't be a failure. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's not all about the career path I want to take. It's not all about the trade school I want to go to. It's not all about the college I want to go to. You know how I feel about college. If you ain't going to be a doctor or a lawyer, don't waste your money going to college. I don't know any other way to be a doctor or a lawyer. They don't have trade schools for that. But I'm just telling you, you're going to get indoctrinated. You're going to get twisted and You'll come out of there dumber than you went in, and you won't have anything. If you want to be a doctor or lawyer, go to college. Pick a good Christian college where they're not going to warp your mind and indoctrinate you with things that you don't need. But if you're not, then find out. And that's got to be if it's God's will for your life. If you want to be a brain surgeon, and it's God's will for your life, you'll be successful. Go after it. If not, find out what God wants you to do. Find out what God's anointed you to do and then go after that. 
Hallelujah. Let me read Ephesians 2.10 again in the Amplified this time. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. I'm not, I'm not preaching predestination. I don't believe in predestination. But I do believe God's will is predestined for you. You have a choice whether to walk in it or not. If you were predestined according to the world, you don't have a choice. You just, you're bound for that and you can't change the course. But God's predestination or God's plan or preparation beforehand is totally up to you. You have a choice. He says, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. He has a definite course for your life. He has a definite, definite race for you to run. And you can't run anybody else's race. You can't run anybody else's course. You got to run yours and stay in your lane. Amen. 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 Run your course. Let's say you decided to go to Florida. Vacation or whatever. So you get on I-65 North and start headed for Florida. You will not only see things and go through places that you never intended to see or go through, but you will never get to Florida. Why? Took the wrong course, took the wrong route. And that's the way it is with God. You need to get on his course, run the race that he's predestined for you. Uh, and as long as you're on that course, Everything you need will be met along the way. I don't care what it is. He knows you're going to have a battle with COVID. But on that course is healing. He knows you're not going to meet the rent this month. But on that course, if you're on it and stay on it, your need will be met. The rent payment will be there right on time. Why? Because you're on his course. You're running the race that he set before you. So, what's the Lord's will for your life? I don't know. That's up to you to find out. It may be simple, like mine, or it may be very complicated, like Paul's. But whatever it is, you'd be graced to do it. You'd be anointed to do it. You know, Pastor Rat and I, and I'm not looking for sympathy or bragging or anything, We've stood in places where other people could never stand. Not that we're special, but because we're in the will of God and we were graced to do it. We're anointed to do it. And, you know, uh, you hear pastors quitting, giving up. Ministers quitting and giving up. Other people quitting and giving up. And 99.9% .9 of the time is because they're standing in a place that they're not graced to stand. They're standing in a place where they're not anointed to stand. You know, we went to Raymond. We graduated successfully. We come here and started a church. Uh, I, I finished 20 years with UPS before we went to Bible College and then come here. Got a job with Ford. Worked 20 years for them at the same time pastoring the church. And I'm still here. Why? Grace to do it. It's nothing in me. Yeah, you gotta, uh, you gotta make up the, your mind to follow God's will. But it's nothing special in me. It's that I'm in the place I'm supposed to be. I'm anointed to stand here. Pastorette's anointed to stand with me, and, and co-pastor with me, and that's why we're still here. Graced to do it. Grace to do it. Hallelujah. So, stop whining and complaining. Find your place. Find the course God wants you on. Find the racetrack he wants you running on. And run your race with perseverance and endurance. And just don't quit. It's not who finishes first or last. 
is finishing, period. Amen? Everybody wins this race if you finish. If the only way you can lose is by dropping out, getting distracted, getting off on the sidelines, and just stop running. But if you keep running, whether it's fast or slow or somewhere in between, you will finish the course. You'll be able to say like Paul did, I finished my race, I finished my course with joy. Amen? Glad to do it. Glad to suffer persecution. Glad to suffer hardships. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. I pray this word touched somebody this morning. Lord, touch their hearts. Encourage them. If nothing else got them seeking you further, seeking you more, trying to make sure or trying to find out what your will is for their life. Because if they can believe, all things are possible. If they can't believe, all things are still possible because they're possible with you. And they have to ask, not seek. And they also have to ask according to your will. That's the only way you'll hear us. But if we know we ask according to your will, according to your word, and, and, and we know that you heard us, then we know that we'll have the things that we desire of you, the petitions that we desire of you. So we thank you and praise you for it today, Lord, to give you glory and honor. God, I ask you to touch those that need a touch this morning in their physical bodies, in their hearts, in their emotions. God, we ask you to bring stability to us. In Jesus' name, we ask you to heal us, to mend our spirits, our hearts, to mend our souls. We give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.